Are you an ambitious, driven entrepreneur starting to feel overwhelmed, maybe a little trapped by your business? Well, I have a solution for you. It is the five-day bottleneck to breakthrough challenge, where in an hour a day, we will give you the roadmap, the blueprint, the treasure map to where you can find yourself with more free time, more freedom of money, and a more valuable business. Hope to see you soon www.bottlenecktobreakthrough.com. Today's episode is all about franchising. Franchising is such an interesting business model. And my guest today, Lance Garlic, he can help you build one. So this is an interesting episode because some people are more suited to franchising and some people aren't. And we're going to go all the way there so that you know where to go and how to manage a franchise. This is The Real Bottom Line, where we tell entrepreneurial stories about true grit and perseverance from frontline business owners themselves. Now, let's get started. Hello and welcome to The Real Bottom Line. Today, my guest is Lance Growlick. Welcome, Lance. Well, thank you, Wendy. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to hear to talk to you today because we're going to talk a lot about franchising because you're the franchise expert on all the sides of it. But how did you get into franchising first? How did that happen? So, uh, you know, I'm 55 now. So let's take it way back. Uh, you know, I grew up with two very entrepreneurial grandfathers. One was oh. a real estate attorney that played real life Monopoly, buying buildings for them himself and, and clients. And the other grandfather from Poland that I barely could ever understand, uh, he created a chain of supermarkets hmm. all by himself. And so I, he was the what I call the businessman. My other grandfather was the real estate mogul. And then the third piece to complete the trifecta as far as investments is, of course, Wall Street, stocks and bonds and what have you. And that was dad. Dad's company oh, wow. was the largest over-the-counter trading house on Wall Street. I grew up in New York. So I thought I was going to work for dad. Mm. Clearly, you know, there's a whole nature versus nurture argument slash discussion. How do people become entrepreneurs? Is it just because they hated their corporate job and they were finally forced into it one day, like the gentleman I just got off the phone with before I came on with you? Um, that's how a lot of people get started. In my case, my dad figured out, he goes, I don't think there's a chance you're ever going to be employable. You have the genetics of an entrepreneur. Um, so good luck. But I did work on Wall Street for a while. I had another sort of relative, an uncle, crazy uncle Stephen, who made his money in tech in the early days. And he goes, I heard you're bored on Wall Street. And you're in, you know, I was in New York. He created uh, or bought a TGI Fridays franchise back in the late 80s. Mm -hmm. So I joined him and moved across country. He had purchased four existing stores, and we built that to about 65 stores within five years, a lot of acquisitions, doing $225 million a year. And that's where I really got bit by the franchise bug. It's like, wow, this is pretty cool. Somebody else thought of all these recipes. They just put the systems together, made all the mistakes. And mm -hmm. all we have to do is follow a system. It's kind of like GPS for business. Well, what a great way of putting it. I think that I think more people have experience with franchises than they realize. And in the green room, you and I were talking a little bit that one of my first part-time jobs as a, as a 
high school student was I um, worked at McDonald's yep. and I think I learned more, even though I was like, what, 16, 17, 18 years old about how to run a business than I may have really from all the, M the MBA and the uh, BCom because got to see the systems up close, got to see how they measured everything, how they motivated people and, and just had all those pieces. And so I think more of us have had exposure to franchise systems than we may even be aware. Yeah, you know, it's coming out a lot today more than ever before, whether it's financial literacy we're not really taught or practical skills, working at McDonald's to be able to interact with customers, mm -hmm. with essentially everybody in life, no matter what career you choose, whether you're an entrepreneur or not, you're dealing with either internal customers, external customers, and policies, procedures, systems, you know, rules and regulations, human resources, mm -hmm. you know, the marketing aspects, there's a promotion. So even as a kid, everybody can have a great experience with some, any franchise, especially McDonald's. Uh, they've been around the longest or one of the longest. So, <laughs> well, I mean, and it, it does come down to how well it's being worked and how good of a manager you have too. I, I was very blessed to have some great people that I got to work with. Yeah. So when you think about franchising, I'd like to go down two roads today. Sure. Because you're the expert. So what I would like to do is first is talk about who should buy a franchise versus if I have an existing business, is it franchisable? Okay. Sure. So who should consider buying a franchise? I really believe that everybody should consider you know, okay. based on those three, call it pillars or the trifecta, as I call it, you know, everybody should be looking at investments for themselves, for mm -hmm. their families. Um, if their goal is to build generational wealth. I mean, in most cases, we try to enhance our kids' lives and make mm -hmm. things better than even when we had it. And so that's with investing. And so business in general is an amazing way to invest. And franchising is in my opinion, the best idea if, if, if you do not have your own original idea. If you have your own original idea that you think needs to be born, and I talk to people every day about this, mm -hmm. I want to start this type of business. Do you think it's something that's going to work? It's not a franchise. It's something that somebody's doing from scratch because not only have I owned multiple franchises and successfully have sold, mm -hmm. and, but I've also created my own brands and I'm very proud, uh, were quite successful, and I sold. Nice. So, so the answer really is anybody should own a business, period. Now, whether it's a franchise or not, has to do with your risk tolerance, investment level, time. Um, so I get people all the time that call me that don't have their original idea. And mm -hmm. obviously, franchising is perfect for them. Now, the next thing is what I do. I'm a franchise broker. My services are free. I am an advocate for you, and I will show you essentially as a franchise matchmaker, all kinds of brands you don't even know that exist. When I joined Wingstop and I was a franchisee of Wingstop, friends of mine thought I was crazy. They were like, what's Wingstop? We never heard of that. Isn't a franchise supposed to be something that's a household name? Mm. So, well, not exactly, because if I'm going to wait for Wingstop to become a household name, guess what? Expensive. Not, it's going to be sold. I'm not, I'm going to be too late. I'm right. not going to. I'm not going to get a territory. So franchising simply gives you the blueprint, gives you the roadmap to create a successful business. The process is such, there's a 
lot of integrity in this process. It's not first phone call with the brand and slide your credit card. Yeah. This is a two-way street. I just had a recent issue uh, and it was an issue. Uh, CPA owns some real estate and he really wanted a fitness brand in one of his shopping centers. And I showed him several. He really instantly fell in love with one. And uh, I noticed he was a little rough around the edges, very intelligent, but was a bit arrogant, a bit impatient. And, you know, he made it sound like it was a one-way street. He gets to choose what brand he wants. And I try to slow him down a little bit on that and educate him a little bit further, but clearly he wasn't too accepting of that. And the reason I know that is after the very first phone call with the brand, after I did the territory check, make sure his brand was available, made the introduction behind the scenes, the brand set up a call. I get a call from the VP and said, so your candidate such and such in XYZ city, I don't think he's going to work for us. And I said, yeah, I was afraid of that. And she starts laughing because she knows me. And she goes, yeah, I was a little surprised you sent me somebody like that. Mm. And at the end of the day, as we all know, there's a cultural fit. We've all had that obnoxious friend. Doesn't matter how smart they are, how many degrees they have. They just don't seem to play well with others. Mm-hmm. Well, in franchising, about the only per- person that generally is not successful is that personality that I just described or someone that just, you know, truly doesn't listen. And, and there's that group of people that truly doesn't listen at all. Um, They always think they have a better way. They get into a system and all of a sudden they want to change everything. And so so there are people and personalities that won't fit with franchising, but the majority of people truly fit. I just need to understand them. And, And, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people talk about the why. And while the why is effective for a lot of people, in my opinion, I don't really care about that because I think the why is generally about the same for so many people. I talk more about the what. So I just had a conversation with a gentleman before this call, and it's all about the what. What type of investment do you want to make? What is your vision? Before our first call here, what had been your vision? As you talk to your wife, in this case, the gentleman I spoke to is married, has three kids. What? What's your vision? You know, well, Lance, that's a great question. You know, we know some other people that have franchises, but not many. And we're thinking this might be our investment. Well, that's great. That's a great investment. Put down 50000 get an SBA loan. In Canada, there aren't exactly SBA loans uh, for those listeners in Canada, but there, there are similar uh, yeah. loans available. And, you know, and I want part of my what is I, I want that money back. You know, I want my investment back in two and a half years or three years or two mm-hmm. years or whatever it is. And, and I don't want employees or I do want employees. Yep. So I ask all of these questions. Now, here's the beauty of it with no emotion attached to it. We're not talking about industries. Right. We're not talking about home services. We're not talking about home health care. We're not talking about a brick and mortar uh, waxing or hair salon or restaurant for that matter. And then, of course, we do dive into what categories intrigue you? What are you, what are you afraid of? What, what do you hate? <laughs> what do you like? And we really dive into the what. Yeah. And then, you know, then eventually I present, you know, a few days, I do territory checks, I present several brands, we start doing introductions. And then as their advocate, I take them down their path. And really a strategist is what I am and a consultant. Yeah. I take them down the path of, 
okay, here are the first four brands that I think suit you. Inevitably, one scares the heck out of them. Like, why the heck would you show me this? And, and then maybe one fits well. And I have to think about it. I send them with some homework. And then eventually, here's the beauty of franchising. You have a franchise disclosure document in Canada, in the US, that is regulated by the government that has 23 items to it. In the US, it does. And those 23 items, there's even an earnings claim. Most brands have one mm -hmm. that can tell you what to expect. But even beyond that, you have a validation stage. And you in the financial industry like you are and could be more cautious than others, you want to build a business plan, right? Well, guess what? <laughs> what was that? Is it already built for you? Well, they will provide you a template and you yep. get to play along because as you validate with existing franchisees in your area, you might have some variables that change. So if it's a hair salon, like a Great Clips, it could be $152,000 on average to do one in Las Vegas where I live, but it's probably a lot higher than that in the state of California, as an example, or New York. So you make those adjustments. Are there labor adjustments? Now you have an opportunity to validate your thought process with existing franchisees. So Wendy, when you and I get on the phone with John, that's been a great clips franchisee for five years and has 10 locations. Hey, John, would you do it over again? Do they support you? Mm. What do they do with the marketing funds that we pay into? Yeah. They, and, and, and you start to realize, again, is this a cultural fit? This is why it was so interesting that that gentleman that was a CPA in the earlier example I gave you was kicked out of the system so early yeah. because he hadn't even made it anywhere at this point. <laughs> I mean, you got a long way to go. So at the end of the day, almost anybody can do a franchise. The question is, what is the appropriate franchise for them? That's really the question. Well, and I think that there's some metrics there that you talked about, about understanding. I talk to people a lot about when they're going into business is to figure out what life they want first and then find the business that will wrap around that. And I suspect that might be part of your process because, um, if, hey, if you want to take August off, well, maybe you shouldn't uh, rent jet skis. I don't know. Do you know what I mean? Like, I think that there's methodologies. Perfect, absolutely perfect example. And that is part of it. I've had people that say, I don't want to work nights or weekends. And you know what? I was a school principal. Ideally, if I could take the summers off, that would be fantastic. I have mosquito spraying franchises. It wouldn't be a summer off job. In fact, it could be seasonal in many areas, but you have the winters off or part of the winters right. off in some areas. Yeah. So it's the opposite. So yeah, there, look, I ask every question under the sun and it's a, it's a real discovery and investigatory type process that changes. But the idea is that people don't get too emotionally attached to an idea or a concept mm -hmm. um, because it could make the process a little more difficult. Inevitably, people do end up with something that they might not have expected and end up being thrilled. I think it also goes down to uh, the why of business, because if you think about it, I had a, I have a smart CPA I talked to, and he talks to me about how business is really, you put stuff in, things happen, and cash comes out, <laughs> right? I love it. Right. Yes. So, but what is that? What is the purpose of that? The, you know, yes, some of it can be to fulfill your purpose and, and why, but it's also to fund your ideal life. Yes. 
right? And I think I think that's what you're talking about is, hey, what's your life want to be? Who are you as a person? Now let's find a franchise that matches that. That that's all it is. It's you know, and and I always ask in the in the process, are you married? Because whether I'm talking to Mm -hmm. uh, you know whoever I'm talking to, is there a spouse that's going to be involved? Are you the real decision maker? Is there someone behind the scenes that we need to bring along with us? <laughs> and, and absolutely. I never, yeah. ever want to insult anybody because I'm smart enough to know having a lot of strong women in my family, my mom, my sister, my wife, guess what? I know that the women are the real decision makers anyway. Yeah. Well, there you, that's interesting. And thank you for uh, treating everyone and talking to them appropriately. Your business is making a profit. You're growing but you may still feel like you don't fully have a grasp on how to make the best use of this success. Don't worry, you're not alone. Hi, I'm Wendy Brookhouse, creator of the Total Wealth Accelerator and host of this podcast. I've developed a quick and easy tool that will give you a detailed snapshot of where you're currently at in your business and wealth growth and how you can improve upon it. It's called your financial diagnostic score. It's completely free and you'll instantly get the results. So head over to TotalWealthScore.com right now and see where you can focus to grow your wealth. So let's flip the switch for a second. And uh, I'm an ideas person. I have a fantastic business. It's a lot of cash coming out. And I'm wondering, should I franchise? Should I license? What what, what makes a good franchisable business? Um, And also, how do you decide? and, And then what to do if you do decide that? Yeah. So I always, I talk to so many own independent business owners that are thinking about franchising. There's a large percentage of them that are just not ready uh, is what I determine after I Mm -hmm. speak with them. So here's what it does start with. It starts with kind of the easy stuff. So pretend Wendy has a little restaurant she owns. It could be anything. I mean, there's literally 90 different categories of, of franchises, but let's say Wendy has a little restaurant. First question I ask is, so how long have you been in business? Mm-hmm. And well, if the answer is six months, unless they're outrageously successful and have, you know, 40,000 people on Instagram already with them and getting crazy accolades. I mean, you need to have an obvious great history, but mm. the word great needs to be defined. So the longer you're open, generally the better, the better and more positive the history, the better, the better your story. You know, there's always a good, you know, we want, we want to hear a great story. I'll give you a recent example. I had a lady, in fact, I was on her podcast. They have a a real estate, a mortgage company, and the mortgage company was crazy successful and they have like 35 employees. And she said to me after the podcast, can this be franchised? I said, absolutely. In fact, there's so little competition Mm. in the mortgage franchise space. So needless to say, we're, we're setting up our franchise system. It's almost done now. But so how did I know? She's got 35 employees. They're in an area of the United States that the average mortgage is, is very low. They're, you know, they're not even in an area where the mortgages are big mortgages. So they're making right. it up really in volume and they're making yeah. fees on that. So it's pretty obvious how successful they are. It's easy. For the most part, it's pretty easy to figure it out. But uh, so it's about the story. It's about the financials. One of the questions I ask people, and it's an honor system in the very beginning, I don't ask for any documentation. I said, you know, so, so Wendy, are you making money with your restaurant? Oh my goodness. We're, we're netting 25%. So you, you always want a nice net 
profit number or net income number uh, from independent businesses. Because why? Because you're going to create a system. You're going to essentially invite other people to really be investors, be franchisees. Mm -hmm. And there needs to be enough profit that you can get uh, some sort of royalty. In the restaurant business could be 4%, which would be a little low. 5% is normal. 6% is plus the marketing funds, plus the marketing funds with generally speaking, people are going to market anyway. Okay. Um, the question is, you know, how much and a lot of smaller restaurant franchises will start off with 1%. But the idea being that, you know, it becomes pretty easy to figure out, is there enough net income that, you know, this is a brand that you can teach other people. Uh, but you know, the funny part is I've had some brands that start franchising that are successful, but as they start hitting other markets, they become even more successful. Oh, wow. And it, and it far outshadows, you know, location number one. I mean, I have an example of that I can think of right now. And, and they're selling out master franchise deals in whole states and, and, and doing in some instances 30% more sales mm -hmm. than the original location. And uh, it does happen in a weird way like that. This is a brand that's in the food business, restaurant business. And, uh, and has an amazing Instagram presence. So they use that foundation to really, really, really grow. When I joined Wingstop, the average unit volume for a Wingstop was barely 600,000. And I had quite a few stories that were well over a million dollars in revenue. Mm. So, you know, uh, growth, I mean, we, we hope you see double digit growth, but you know, at least single digit growth would be a, a great thing. So year over year of growth, uh, what, What's a minimum top line or bottom line that you would want to see? It's not so much the minimum. I mean, if it's an industry like in the restaurant business, if you know, I'll just stick with that. If it's like a fast casual restaurant, like a Five Guys Burgers, mm -hmm. where you order at the counter and the food either, you know, it's a made to order quality concept, not necessarily with a drive through that's maybe under 2000 square feet. Typically those concepts, I mean, you're looking for brands that, hopefully generate a million in revenue. Um, it could be less as long as there is exceptional profitability. Okay. Um, Wingstop, as an example, when it was only 600,000 in revenue, when I joined them, the profitability wasn't very good. The cost of goods was through the roof. The cost of goods was, uh, I think, well, well, food cost in general for a restaurant, you want somewhere around 32%, you know, in that mm -hmm. range. And it was like 36, 37% because chicken wings are very expensive. So um, the numbers didn't work, but I, I had the vision, you know, usually the franchisor, the parent company has the vision. In this case, you know, myself and some earlier franchisees did have the vision that this would get smoothed out by adding products. Think of Starbucks in the early days. Starbucks didn't have the food. Initially, they were doing just, you know, whole bean coffee. They would grind. They wouldn't even grind it in the store. They'd sell you a machine and coffee and send you home with it. So over time, brands evolve. So whether you have a vision to do your own concept or you have a brand you join that has a vision that you align with mm. is, is the question. But for me, it's pretty, you know, the other big piece, Wendy, I didn't share yet is besides the, the, the brand story, it's all about this founder that I'm talking to. Yeah. Is this founder, most of us have probably seen the movie, The Founder with Ray Kroc mm -hmm. and McDonald's, but you know, founders are a little goofy. And I mean that with all due respect, there's a passion and, and there's a sort of this technician mentality, but they're also the, the visionary, 
for where this brand is going to go down the road. Mm-hmm. You know, again, I mentioned Starbucks. If Howard Schultz from Starbucks didn't have the vision that they need food attached to the menu and what have you, it wouldn't be a average store of a million plus these days like it is. You know, they didn't have the vision for drive-throughs initially. They evolved. Right. Um, the thing that's coming up for me now to ask you about is let's say it's a restaurant that you franchise. It seems like it's a two different businesses. To be a franchisor, you'd need maybe a different set of skills than you might have as a franchise or as a, a unique concept owner. Yeah. yeah. How do you recommend that people get the skill set? Do they hire it in? Do they have consultants? Do they go to go back to school? What do they do? Yeah, that's a that's an amazing fantastic question and the answer is you know you certainly surround yourself with people that have the skills that you don't Mm -hmm. (laughs) and at the end of the day uh that is a big question i ask people in the beginning franchising is very predictable when you sell a franchise let's stick with the food concept you sell a food franchise you know that it's going to take x amount of time to find a site to do construction and get this thing open so it's not a surprise when you, you checklist the, all of it. Exactly. It's not a surprise when you sign a franchisee, a new franchisee, that they're going to open typically in four to seven months. I mean, it mm-hmm. just depends on the brand and what area of the country you're in. So you have time in most instances. If it's a home services brand or a different type of brand, yeah, you might have a quicker ramp up and you really have to be ready. So I do ask the question. Well, Wendy, so what's your goal? How fast would you like to grow this brand? Mm-hmm. And if it's a little faster than I think they're capable, I'd certainly ask the question based on their current infrastructure. Well, so what's your intention? Who's going to go out and help open these stores? Are you going to hire? Are you willing to hire additional people? And a lot of times when I realize I get a blank stare, I fill in the blanks <laughs> to help them <laughs> so they fully understand what they're really getting themselves into because now you are the coach and the mentor and you are helping them with absolutely everything. And let me tell you, just like raising kids, your first several franchisees better be successful because that validation piece that I mentioned. So important. So important because if they tell a future franchisee, don't do it for whatever reason. Yep. You're in deep trouble. I'll tell you right now, I have a very successful brand. I had somebody doing validation for, and guess what happened? They, that particular brand gives them a list of 120 franchisees and say, here you go, Wendy, call whoever you want, talk to them about whatever you want. And they talked to the one unhappy franchisee, one. And the joke of it all was when I talked to the CEO of the brand, he said, it was a friend of mine. He said, he said, yeah, I know who he talked to. And I said, what? And he goes, yeah, we have one unhappy franchisee. I said, that's pretty incredible. You have only one unhappy franchisee. How is that even possible? It's just one. Because no matter what you do in business, I don't remember the exact story why that gentleman was unhappy, but he, he's not, he wasn't unhappy enough to sell because yeah. they've made him offers to sell and get him out of the business. Yeah. No, he was still making money. He just wasn't happy with the way certain things were going on. And he didn't, he didn't think if he was the CEO of the brand, he wouldn't do that whatever that is. And the fact of the matter is, you know, the other 99.9% or 99.5% of the franchisees were incredibly happy. Um, But so I tell people, don't believe that everybody's going to be happy in the brand. It's not going to be possible. So if I were the uh, restaurant owner, I'm going to franchise. 
I suspect that a fair amount of it can, it, there's a bunch of legal I have to do. And I feel like that's in particular. If I'm going to do this, how much should I be prepared to invest in legal and all the documentation I need to be successful at rolling out? Well, that's a great question. There's different packages that my team puts in place depending on the brand and the industry. But generally speaking, we're around 35,000 all in in the U.S. Um, And if you already have U.S. documentation, I just went through this yesterday with one of my U.S. brands. It could be as little as six or seven thousand dollars to do the Canadian if you already have U.S. set up because there's a lot of similarities. It's just a lot of piggybacking on top of it. Yeah, exactly. But and that includes uh, a Canadian trademark as well. So what the three components are of the franchise system in the U.S., you're talking the franchise disclosure document that has the 23 items in it. You also have the franchise contract, which is the franchise agreement. That's what they'd be signing mm-hmm. to join the franchise. And the third component is the operations manual. And the operations manual, whether you're a restaurant or a home services brand or a real estate brand, the operations manual, there's certainly templates that we have to go by to include certain things. Mm-hmm. And then we add in a lot of the very technical and specific proprietary information and obviously the ops manual is only given to somebody after they've uh, well, signed their NDA. That's where, and become that's where all the magic the juice is. That's the secret sauce. The magic <laughs> juice, as you say. There's all kinds of spices in there and we're not telling you what they are. The 17 herbs and spices. We won't even break it down until later. Yeah. What do you think is the biggest mistake that people make when they buy a franchise? The biggest mistake is they're not real. You ever watch the silly TV show, The Bachelor? Every once in a while, <laughs> I will... Um, be that I'll be desperate. Yes. So my wife and I watch it. It's just great cringe worthy TV and uh, doesn't matter what season you've watched, but in all seasons, you hear contestants always talk about the fact that you have to be vulnerable. And really the definition of being vulnerable to me is, is just that you break down your walls or you, you, you pull down your walls and you simply tell me how you feel and yeah. you tell me the truth. I've had people come to me that are in, let's say, IT, notoriously a business where people tend to be pretty reserved and quiet. Mm -hmm. And they are insisting that they want a business that's all about sales. And I explained to them, I was like, you can't, that's probably not for you. Right. And by the way, on my, by the way, just a little quick little segue on my website, ionfranchising.com, ionfranchising.com. I have a free assessment that helps me and you assess based on your mindset, skill set, and past experiences, life experiences, et cetera, you know, what might be best for you, including category, you know, what categories. And for example, the gentleman I was on the call with before this had done his assessment and this guy was a rock star. It said, uh, it, 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 concluded that he can handle a single unit, but he can also be a multi-unit franchisee based on his skill set. And, and then he has only what we call a medium comfort zone. He didn't have this gigantic comfort zone with no risk tolerance, because then it's hard to pull him off the couch to do anything. Um, so, you know, these are factors that definitely contribute to what I'm going to recommend to people, in addition to a lot of other questions, you know, that I ask. It's not a place to posture or to be what they think you need to see to work with them, I would suspect. That, that's exactly right. And, and 
oftentimes when people, people are unsuccessful in franchises because they've been mismatched. They did that. They chose a franchise that wasn't right for them. And, and quite honestly, they fooled the brand. They answered all the questions correctly and they just, it's kind of like why marriages don't work. Mm-hmm. You know, what are the most important things to you? What are the most important things to the brand? And, and is everybody going to be on the same page with upholding those standards? There's always going to be periods of compromise, mm-hmm. but it can't be on the big stuff. Mm-hmm. The other thing, the other thing, Wendy, that does happen occasionally is that um, someone will buy a franchise and then they'll have a life change. Right. Um, good or bad. Yeah. Good or bad. And, and, and what happens next is the franchise becomes uh, something that nobody's focused on. Let's say the individual uh, John buys a franchise or Susie buys a franchise. And then Susie gives it to her sister or her brother or her son and say, here are the keys. I don't have time for this because this great opportunity that I've been waiting for for 30 years just happened. Or God forbid, it's, it could be something tragic that mm-hmm. changes the course of, of, of what happened and who's running this thing. Yeah. All kinds of, there's all kinds of factors that are regular business factors that are going to affect it. I've heard actually, t- I know some people who own some Tim Hortons franchises, which is a big franchise here. Of course, Tim Hortons. Yeah. In that some of the biggest challenges is actually hiring people more so than the actual running of the franchise as being one of the challenges. Absolutely. Absolutely. But you know, that that's my specialty. Having owned a lot of restaurants, I give people all kinds of tips on hiring. Mm -hmm. Even before there was a pandemic and before there was a labor shortage, people would always ask me, how do you find such great people? And I said, yes. And they looked at me, what? I said, you asked me, how do I, how do I find them? I said, well, part of the answer is that I do find them. I don't put ads out there. I actually find them. They go, what do you mean? And I said, well, if I'm going to open a restaurant in a certain area, certain suburb, I go to that Starbucks. And when I see an amazing employee at a Starbucks, which might be a similar concept to mine, you know, but not, not in coffee. I asked that wonderful person, Wendy, behind the counter at Starbucks. I said, Wendy, you are amazing. And here's my business card. And I'm opening a business down the block and I'm looking for people like you. However, I am not recruiting you. That would be unprofessional. I'm sure you're very happy at your job. However, I am looking for people just like you. And I know you have friends, family, yeah. et cetera. So please refer people to me. I'm a nice guy. And guess what happens? They send me people. Perfect. Now, I've been doing that before the internet was invented. And now that the internet is invented, I'm still doing it because it doesn't, it's not about just searching on LinkedIn or searching, doing an Indeed ad. Those are great supplemental ideas if you're desperate, but I rather be on my toes than back on my heels wondering, well, how come nobody's applying over here? Well, I mean, you're on the ground, you saw them in action, you know birds of a feather flock together. So, you know, I think that's a wonderful strategy that sometimes gets lost in the internet era because we, we get very digital on these. Types it, of it, it, that's exactly right. And it's really about taking control of your, your destiny and, and really, you know, look, I, I like to use professional sports analogies, you know, in the NFL, if you want a great running back, because you need one desperately, you go out and find one. You don't wait for them to come to you. Okay. Stop being so obvious, Lance. Um, (laughs) I have greatly enjoyed our conversation. What is the question I didn't ask that you wish I had? 
I, I think we covered it. I mean, I, I, and I mentioned, you know, my website, ionfranchising.com. People can find me, do the free assessment. I help people for free. So even if you don't want a franchise or a business for two years, 10 years, you're not sure. Yeah. I talk to people all day. I'm a nice guy. I'm I'll happy to, I'll be happy to direct you in the right direction. I love that. So I O N franchising.com. Perfect. We'll put that in the show notes. Love it. Thank you so much for uh, coming out today and getting on our show where the real bottom line is anyone can own a business. Thank you for listening to The Real Bottom Line. This show is produced by Black Star Wealth. Executive producer, Wendy Brookhouse. To learn more about the show or to contact us, go to blackstarwealth.com.